Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper. Uh, it's so good to be back. We hope you've missed us. We've had a few weeks off uh, and today we are looking at the passage that Beck preached on on Sunday. Uh, we had a, a joint service here at Christchurch and it was our APCM. So we did a little thing around what our vision is and what our uh, plans are for the future. So uh, Beck did a great talk. I'd encourage you to uh, watch uh, that online. Um, so Beck, what was the passage? So we were looking at uh, Luke 15 uh, verses 1 to 7, which is the, the parable that Jesus tells about a lost sheep. Yeah, so it is really good, real, really challenging, and we're going to go deeper with that today. So why don't you read that passage, Luke 15, 1 to 7, and then we're going to go through it verse by verse, and then think about some implications, and then give you, as usual, some questions to answer. So read Luke 15, verses 1 to 7. Great, so here we go. Uh, really helpfully, the passage starts by giving the context. And what is the context? But why don't you go through that? So we start off hearing, who is Jesus talking to? So he's, he's gathered together some people. Uh, it says now, tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Um, and it's a really interesting, like, who, what is this gathering that's happened where we've got Jesus? some um, sinners and tax collectors and some Pharisees and they're all sort of hanging out together in a way that means that Jesus is talking to all of them. It's quite an interesting setup. Yeah. And of course the, the, the whole meal thing is massively important within the Middle East and you know, that idea of just gathering together and eating together had all sorts of social implications. Uh, and of course what we have here is sinners eating with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, what, what does sinners mean in this context? Um, well, people who are, are not following the, the Torah, the Jewish way of life. So we've got Pharisees who are really committed to following all of the rules that are laid out in the Torah and then people who they've considered to have fallen short of that standard would have been sort of on the edges of society, not, not considered sort of part of the main community. That's really interesting, isn't it? That, um, it says that Jesus welcomed them, so there is a hint here that maybe Jesus had invited these people who were on the edge of society to this meal uh, so that they could take part in the whole table fellowship, be included in the community. Uh, so there's that kind of thing that's going on here. And so uh, I would encourage you to just read those first couple of verses in that context that there's a tension here between the Pharisees who were the the ones who obeyed and kind of enforced the Torah uh, and then these these people who just rocked up who perhaps Jesus invited uh, who was seen as who Pharisees would never associate with mm -hmm. and there's a really interesting thing in the language here that the combination of welcoming and eating with it, it sort of goes beyond just offering some hospitality to to the sort of idea of fellowship and community and, and including them uh, in something deeper than mm. just this one meal yeah so let's go on to uh, we're going to do the next two verses verses three and four uh, and this is a parable that jesus told it so is. uh why didn't you start what's what's the parable about what's going on 
So a parable is, is a story that has a sort of underlying deeper meaning um, and Jesus talks in parables all the time. Actually Jewish teachers spoke in parables quite a lot. There was a lot of a storytelling sort of mm, element yeah. to communicating faith. Um, and in this case Jesus starts off talking about something really really normal. Um, so he says you know what if one of you which relates it straight away to them, one of you was a shepherd who had mm a hundred sheep and one goes missing and there's some question around whether a hundred sheep's quite a big flock whether that's sort of, whether we're talking about quite a wealthy shepherd or whether this is a sort of fairly standard um, number to be talking about it's it's particularly um, the, the 199 thing is sort of, has a bit of a Jewish motif to so, it so, te yeah. teaching motif to it but but it's immediately relate so it's it's drawing in the pharisees with that like i'm i'm a rabbi i've got some of yeah. the teaching language here but it also draws in anybody to be able to hear this story and imagine the situation you're a shepherd you've got 100 sheep you don't need any particular teaching to be able to get on board with that story right. and they, they people would just know immediately what what this was about uh, I, I think i'd read somewhere that was about an average size flock okay. um, and the flock probably wouldn't belong to the shepherd uh, so quite often the flock would be would belong to a number of people within the village uh, and they would hire shepherds more, normally more than one to, to look after them, to take them out into the wild, to feed them and to allow them to graze, that kind of stuff. Uh, so when the, the one, when the shepherd leaves to go after the one, uh, he's probably leaving behind the rest of the shepherd team. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a big, you know, he's leaving them in danger because that wouldn't be a great image of God, would it? It just wouldn't. So um, what happened, what, what could be happening is that uh, other shepherds are looking after the nine, but one, takes the risk and goes out to look for the uh, the what and there is some really interesting risk taking in this story so you would think you know there's sort of something a bit outrageous isn't there about you've got 99 but you're so determined mm. over this one and there's there's a little bit of a sort of glimpse there of of God's love and um, his value over each one of us that that one still is important yeah. um, a sheep lost in the wilderness is pretty much a lost cause. It's a pretty dangerous uh, environment for yeah. them. That the shepherd takes a risk to himself in going to find this sheep communicates something of um, an unusual worth put on to this particular Absolutely. little sheep. And I think you know, one of the things I read was that uh, shepherds became expert trackers because you know, we all know sheep aren't the brightest of animals. Uh, they would wander off and all sorts of things. So they became very good at tracking the sheep. So um, a, a shepherd would be quite confident they would find the lost one. Um, but they were also personally invested in these sheep because they had to give an account to whoever owned the sheep if any were lost. And um, you know, one of the things they might do is have to uh, kind of take the fleece off any dead sheep to be able to explain how it died so that whoever owns it knows what happened. So should we go on to verses five and six? Okay. Unless you've got something else on verse four. Um, well, only really to say that that, that dual layer thing again. So um, Jesus would have been 
speaking into a really well-established idea of God as shepherd here as well. So mm-hmm. there's lots of Old Testament echoes to um, God as a good shepherd and um, God going after lost sheep is, is a um, theme in Ezekiel, for example. Um, th- there's the, the layer yeah. thing is there in there all is, this story. Is, yeah. Uh, so let's look at verses 5 and 6. Uh, and we don't know how long uh, the, the shepherd was looking for the sheep. And in lots of ways, that's not the issue. What this story is about is the shepherd finding the lost one and the joy that's involved in that. This is the key, these are key verses here because they, that's what the parable is all about. Um, and so there's a lot of joy here, isn't there? There is a lot of joy. So what do you see in these verses? Um, on a minute. <laughs> I've lost my place. Um, yes, so Jesus, the, the shepherd goes out, finds the sheep and, and then there's this invitation to the wider community to come and celebrate this and that might yeah. be to do with this shared flock idea yeah. Yeah. Um, that the whole community is invested in these ones um, and that challenges a little bit what was happening in, in the Jewish community that actually the Pharisees, the the leaders of the time, weren't bothered about mm-hmm. the ones who'd wandered off. They didn't care about the sinners. They weren't trying to call them back into relationship and fellowship with the community, but they were just leaving them. On, if you've wandered off, that's your problem. That's right. And, and even more so, they were having to go with Jesus because he was associating with them. And here's Jesus trying to bring them back and uh, having a go with Jesus for doing that. So this parable is all about counteracting that kind of attitude and that kind of thought process uh, and saying to people, look, you know, this is, this is great because people are coming back to God and that's the most important thing. There's a, a great verse in Psalm 28, verse nine, um, which kind of has this picture of God carrying his people uh, which is what the shepherd did here. He put the sheep on his shoulders and carries him. Uh, it says, uh, verse 9, Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So that whole idea of God carrying the, 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 the lost sheep here is an image of, of Israel and for also us. He brings us back into his presence. Uh, and then there's the final verse, which is the, the summary of it all. So do you want to talk about that first? So final verse, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. And it just brings it all back. So, so we've gone off on this story. We've heard about this shepherd and this sheep. And then Jesus is like, also, yeah. this is about the kingdom. This is about what God is doing what God sees in his people and um, and and it relates us straight back doesn't it we've got this picture to sort of imagine that helps us to connect with the reality of who God is and what he's like and that he rejoices over each one of us absolutely and there's kind of two harsh things here for me Um, one is uh, that God rejoices more over that one than the 99 righteous uh, which kind of feels a little bit unfair to those who live good lives. But if you are already in the presence of God, if you are already in relationship with God, then God's rejoiced over you already. Uh, and for those who wandered off, those who have kind of lived a different kind of lifestyle, then God is desperate for them to come back. And that's expressed in joy when they do. 
The other harsh thing here is, um, is really about the Pharisees and how they're treating Jesus for associating with sinners. Um, so uh, here's, let me, this is a quote from something I read. Uh, As a shepherd's friends rejoice when he finds that which was lost, so do God's friends rejoice when he recovers what was lost to him. Thus Jesus' accusers, who resent his fellowship with sinners he seeks to restore, may not really be God's friends. Wow, that's a little bit, that's hard, isn't it? That if you cannot rejoice with God when he brings someone back, then are you actually his friend? That, that, I, we're going to stop there because for me, that's, that was like a bombshell when I read that. Really challenging. It's a real it? challenge, isn't it? So uh, we're going to go uh, a little bit uh, wider and think about the application of all this. So let's think about the implications of this and go a little bit wider. So um, I've got two points and then Beck's got two points uh, and I'm going to go first. Um, so the first one is an obvious one about taking a risk. And if you haven't watched Beck's talk yet, I'd encourage you to watch it because she talks about this uh, and talking about uh, living at the redemptive edge. In other words, kind of beyond your comfort zone beyond that place where you feel you can do things in your own strength. And uh, that's what we see the shepherd here doing. He goes out and, and at risk for, to himself because it's out in the open country, there's wild animals around, uh, the environment is dangerous, all that kind of stuff. But he goes out to try and find this lost sheep and that takes a risk. And if we're to engage with lost people, then we have to take a risk, don't we? We have to be prepared to talk to them about Jesus, to maybe put ourselves in uncomfortable places, to make sure that we are creating new uh, relationships and connections with people in order to be able to talk to them about Jesus. Uh, and that all involves risk because the risk is we might get rejected in some way. So uh, we need to take a risk, don't we? And it's a really, it's a really important challenge for us to take seriously that um, any mission that we're doing completely within our own comfort zone probably isn't the fullness of what God's calling us into. Um, and when we do the things that God calls us to that are right on the edge of our abilities and our resources, then actually, you know, we get to see all the wonderful things that God will yeah. do in those situations as well. Absolutely. And then the, the next thing was, uh, it kind of struck me when um, I read about shepherds being expert trackers. And that got me off on a little bit of a tangent. So bear with me a little bit. Um, and it made me think, how expert are we at tracking the lost. Do we understand where they are? Do we understand uh, the environments in which we are live, you know, the, our society, our culture? Do we understand people enough in order to be able to track them? And by tracking, I mean find ways of connecting with them that is able to draw them back. Because you know, that's the task that we have to take on. We don't simply declare the gospel. We have to declare the gospel in the context of our society. And we have to understand our society in order to do that. And Jesus is an expert at that. I mean, that's exactly what this is, is, is a telling something, a truth about the kingdom of God in a way that connects yeah. to people. And we talked yesterday about the keys to our culture um, and about that that part of our vision that's about being relevant and, and sharing the gospel in a Absolutely. way that people are able to take hold of it and understand what we're saying. Um, and it's really easy for us to, to go off into our own Christian language that people just don't understand 
being able to really be where people are and be on their page is an important yeah. part of doing this stuff well, isn't it? Absolutely. So what's your two points? So I um, used a quote yesterday from uh, Pete Gregg and it was this, it says, what if our greatest problem with God is not that he's too big and clever for us to comprehend, but that he's humbler, mm. gentler and closer than we ever imagined. Um, and I was really, I'm really challenged by that um, from the point of view that, you know, for the Pharisees, this, this is the challenge that Jesus is bringing. What if God's actually gentle and kind and loving and close to these people who you would like to shove out of the way? Um, and what if we sometimes make God feel big and far away from people rather than speaking to them in a way that brings God close? Because what we see Jesus do over and over again is be God close to people, be God drawing near, chasing after and um, the goodness and kindness of God uh, extended to them. And so, you know, how do we do that? How do we take seriously that thing that, that actually God is kind and gentle with us? That's right. And, you know, we, we sometimes write off people, don't we? And um, God never does. You know, it would have been easy for the shepherd to say, it's one sheep, I've got 99. Uh, I'll let them that one sheep go but God's not like that he chases after every single person and I think sometimes we can be quite harsh with people and quite unkind because we dismiss them uh, sometimes we despise them and that's not God-like mm -hmm. God is seeking after every single person so um so following on from that we see in this story that you know the motivation of god is love and kindness mm -hmm. um, and his joy in finding the lost um, how do we feel about that um does that challenge us does that make us feel joyful along with god what does that that thing yeah. that steve said before about you know what if if really you're not a friend of god if you don't find that joyful how does that challenge your thinking and your experience and if you read on a little bit and um, you'll get to um the prodigal son and that experience of the older brother of being like it's, it's something that's familiar to a lot of us isn't it that experience yeah, yeah. of going well hold on a minute I haven't I haven't done anything wrong I haven't done any wandering off why why does God rejoice so much over the ones who do yeah I think you know, the, the challenge for us all as Christians is how you know how do we welcome back those who've wandered off uh, because quite often they're the people who are not particularly like us you know we've been true we've stayed the course all that kind of stuff uh, and they might be very different to us i had experienced in my last church where um we had uh, an influx of about i think at one point about 30 people from a local rehab unit came and joined our church and um, it radically changed how church was and some of my key leaders came and said it's great that they've joined us but it's no longer our church and we're struggling there was no joy for them in it they, they got to that point of joy, but it took a while for them to accept that actually, if we welcome in new people, then things change. And maybe that's what we see with the Pharisees here, that, that it was a challenge to them to have these sinners with them. And yet, Jesus welcomed them. And we need to welcome every new person into church, into the kingdom, and we need to rejoice over it, even if that makes, means that church changes, we change, all that kind of stuff. It, there's risk always involved with this. So, should we go on to questions? 
I think it'll be good to do that. So we're going to give you some questions to think about in your mission communities or for you to reflect on on your own. So we're going to give you some questions to think about. Uh, so first one. So what comes to mind? She'd forgotten she would do the first one. <laughs> it is me. Uh, yeah. What comes to mind when you think about the shepherd in the story? What I love about Jesus stories is that they are designed to help us to connect with God. When, we, when God is so beyond our understanding in some of these things and so this picture of a shepherd who's gentle and kind and who goes out looking for the sheep and is committed to the sheep. How does that picture unfold for you? What does that give you um, in your imagination that helps you to understand more deeply what God yeah. is like? That's good. Uh, it's good to use your imagination with some of these stories, isn't it? So, uh, second question is this. Um, how do you feel about Jesus bringing new people into our, our church community? Uh, you can maybe reflecting on the story I told about my last church and the possibility that every new person who comes in changes our church a little bit. Mm. So how do you feel about that? So just talk about that for a bit. And then uh, possibly this will help us unpick those feelings a little bit. How have you personally experienced mm. the kindness of God in your life? And our final question is, uh, what risks do you think God is calling you to take to reach the lost? Uh, we all need to take those kind of risks. We all need to uh, step out of our comfort zone. And so make this personal. Make it a challenge for yourself. What risks do you think you need to take? Just take some time to reflect on that and to talk about it. And maybe if you're in the mission community, do some gentle challenge with each other about maybe taking a bigger step than perhaps you were planning. So that's our time together at the end. Uh, thank you, Beck. And... Uh, Thank you for joining us. Do please join us on Sunday and uh, we'll be starting a brand new sermon series. Uh, there'll be more about that in the church email this week. And uh, then again, next Tuesday, we'll be starting to look at each passage every week in that new sermon series. So until then, stay safe and have a great week. Goodbye now.